Well, we are in week four of our series on worry, and I could imagine that for many of us, this series has awakened the reality of worry in our lives. Maybe we weren't fully aware that worry had been seeping into our hearts or to our minds and to our souls. And for some of us, maybe we have felt a little uncomfortable throughout this series because maybe we have felt a tugging from the Spirit to let go a little bit, to let up, to loosen up. And this morning, as we are in our final stretch of this series, I would like to take a look at how we can take this final leap of trust of this worry-free life in a very anxious culture, however, but this worry-free life that can happen in Christ. And like, I'd like to do this by taking a look at another passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about worry. This is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 1 through 9, and then again, 18 and 19. But before we read, I would like to set the scene for you. Jesus is at the pinnacle of his ministry in many ways. He had gained quite a bit of popularity. Many people were traveling from far places to hear him. They wanted to hear who was this rabbi that taught with such authority. And when we arrive to Mark's gospel, chapter 4, we see that Jesus had such a following. The crowd was so large. So many people wanted to hear what he had to say that when he began teaching, he had to step out into a boat on the shore and teach to the crowd so that everyone could hear and see him. It was a stage of sorts for Jesus. And Jesus begins teaching in these somewhat obscure stories or mysterious stories that are confusing to many of the listeners. In fact, these stories are so confusing to some of the listeners that the disciples even, Jesus' very own followers, had to pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus? What in the world are you talking about? Could you explain a little bit what you mean by this story? Because we are confused. And this is where we arrive in Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Listen as I read. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus teaches this parable of the four soils. And when he's done teaching, he's gathering with his disciples alone. And they pull him aside and they say, okay, Jesus, we are really confused. Could you just break it down a little bit more in layman's terms for us? And what it is you mean by this very strange parable? Because we just can't understand it. So Jesus begins to unpack the parable for the disciples. 
And the specific soil that I want to focus on this morning is found in verses 18 and 19. Listen to how Jesus um, packs the thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So here is Jesus gathered with his disciples, and they're asking for a clue as it is what he means. And so Jesus begins to unpack these four different types of soils. He says there's a farmer that is scattering seed. The first one, it falls upon a hard path. The path is hard, and so it's unable to take root. So birds come, and they snatch it up in the plant is never able to take root. And this one, Jesus says, is the one who hears the gospel. This is the one who hears about the faith of Jesus Christ, but their heart is too hard. They can't receive it. And so therefore, faith is unable to take root in their hearts. The second one, Jesus says, it's planted, but the roots are shallow. And so it grows quickly, but it soon withers away because of the shallow roots. And Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word of God with joy, with glee, with excitement, with passion, is very enthusiastic about their faith. But as soon as they reach difficult times, persecution, trouble, or pain and suffering, they walk away, and sadly, the plant wilts. And the next one, the one where I want to focus our attention today, Jesus says, the, plant, the farmer throws the seed among the thorns, But eventually, the thorns crowd out the seed and crowd out the plant, and the plant withers away. And Jesus says, this is the one who hears the gospel. It is planted in their hearts. They hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and they receive it. They believe it. They love God. But eventually, they are bombarded with the worries with the anxieties of this life that Jesus says it is crowded out. And quickly, the plant withers away. Let's take a look at that again. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. This could be any of us, couldn't it? This is the one who comes and worships week after week, hears the message proclaimed, even worships. But it's crowded out. It's bombarded. It's drowned out because of the worries and the anxieties of this life. Let that sink in for a moment. That's tough stuff isn't it? And so I want to ask you the question that many of you have been pondering on over the last few weeks, or if this is your first time, maybe you're just now beginning to think about it. I invite you to respond to this question in your heart once again. What are you worried about? And I wouldn't be surprised if many of you are thinking right now, you know what? My heart does feel bombarded. It does feel crowded, distracted, heavy, weighed down, and maybe even aching. So we've talked a lot about worry over the last few weeks, but I'd like to take another look at it through the lens of a helpful visual. 
You see, I'm sure we could come up with a list of a thousand or maybe even a million things that we worry about specifically in America and in 2015. But this week as I was preparing and praying, I said, okay, what are the big things? What are the big rocks that we tend to worry about? See, some of the things that we worry about, that we fear, that we get anxious over, is what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't live up to what I was called to do or intended to do? What if this new job that I take on, I don't impress everyone the way that I should impress them? Or what if I don't get the recognition that I think I deserve? Or sometimes this worry and this anxiety creeps up into our life in the form of appearances. We worry about not being attractive enough. We take a look in the mirror and we look ourselves up and down and think, well, if I could just change this one part of my face or if I could just adjust this, then I would be good enough. And we worry about it. We get anxious over it. We fear it. We lose sleep over it. And sometimes we ache deeply over it. One of the other things that we worry about is our purpose in this life. What if we've somehow missed our purpose? Or sometimes things that I hear is, what if I don't have a purpose in this life? What if I was put here on earth for an accident and God forgot about me and I don't have a purpose? I wasn't created for something great. What if this was all that I'm created for? And we worry about it. We fear about it. We get anxious about it. We go through all of the what ifs in our head. What if I had chosen that career? What if I had chosen that career? And what if I'm living into the wrong purpose? And we worry about it. We lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. One of the other things that we tend to worry about and get anxious about is our past. In fact, I think this is a big one that many of us tend to obsess over. We replay our past in our heads over and over and over. And we think, if I could just go back 10 years and change that decision... If I could just go back five years and if I would have just chosen a different career, then and only then I'd be happy. And we worry about it. We obsess over it. We lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. One of the other things that we tend to worry about is what Dan called last week is the my precious. The my precious. And my precious could be a rainbow or a variety of things ranging from our family to our house to personal possessions to our children to friends even and to our finances. And oftentimes these are the ones that keep many of us parents awake at night as we go through all of the what ifs about our children. What if Johnny doesn't get an A? What if Aiden doesn't get into the college of his choice? What if she gets a sickness? What if when she gets into her car tonight to go out with her friends, things go awry? And we replay these scenarios in our mind over and over, thinking that if we worry about it and if we obsess over it and we get anxious over it, that maybe somehow we could control events. 
or we worry about our finances. Fear strikes deeply in our hearts. What if I reach financial ruin and I'm not able to provide for my family in the way that I'm supposed to? Or what if my 401k falls apart? And we go through all the possible scenarios of losing everything in our circle that we call our precious. What if it falls apart before our very eyes? And we worry about it. We get anxious over it. We lose sleep over it. And sometimes we ache deeply over it. And sometimes we worry about comfort, or shall I say, being uncomfortable. In America, we love comfort. And sometimes being stretched and put in difficult or uncomfortable situations are a challenge for us. What if I have to take on a new job that's going to stretch me in a way that's going to take me out of my comfort zone? Or what if I have to go on a missions trip in a country where I don't have the luxuries that I have here? And, or what if I have to have a conversation with someone that I know I'm supposed to have, I know I'm supposed to mend that relationship, but it's going to make me uncomfortable? Or what if I have to take on a new job where my finances are much lower, or the, the pay is much lower, and I have to move into a smaller house, and then I won't have the luxuries that I like or that I'm used to having? And we worry about comfort, and we fear about being uncomfortable, and we wrestle over it, we lose sleep over it, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. And we worry, and this is a big one for teenagers, we worry about our future. I had the joy of serving in high school youth ministry for eight years. And every year around May, students would start saying, what if I choose the wrong college? I'm so afraid that I'm going to choose the wrong school or I'm so afraid that I'm not going to get into the right school or what if I choose the wrong college and then choose the wrong career and then I meet the wrong spouse and then if I'm stuck in a career that I'm not happy with and they go through all of these scenarios and all these fears and all of these what ifs. And we as adults do it as well. What if 10 years from now I'm not who I thought I would be? What if 15 years I don't reach the goals that I thought that I would reach? And we worry about it. We obsess over it. We think about it all the time. It crowds our heart and it crowds our mind. And we lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. Another thing that we fear sometimes when it comes to our faith is we ask the question, what if God could never forgive me? Because if God is truly all-knowing, if God is truly knows me through and through, then he would never forgive me for the things that I've done. He would never forgive me for the choices that I've made, for the decisions that I've made. In fact, how could he? And we think about the day that we will stand before the pearly white gates of heaven and we wonder if we're going to make it. We wonder if we'll truly be covered or if we're in. And we lay awake at night, thinking about these things, fearing these things, worrying about these things. 
and sometimes we ache deeply over it. Another thing that we tend to worry about is our own personal addictions. We wonder, will I ever be able to overcome this addiction that is plaguing my heart and my mind and my life? What if I lose my family over this addiction? What if my friends find out? What if I lose my job over this addiction? What if I really can't give it up? And even bigger, what if God can't redeem me from this? What if God can't break the chains of this addiction that is plaguing me? And we worry about it. We lose sleep over it. It crowds our hearts and our minds, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. And finally, but this certainly doesn't cover everything, is we worry about the skeletons in our closet. These are the very things that we've done in the past that we think if someone found out about my past, I'd be ruined. If my wife found out about the skeletons in my closet or if only my coworkers knew or if my church friends found out about the skeletons in my closet or if, if I get found out and we have this deep abiding fear of getting found out and we worry about it. We get anxious over it. We lose sleep over it. We replay those skeletons in our minds over and over and they put pits in our stomach. And we sometimes ache deeply over it as we obsess over it. And Jesus said, these are the ones where the seed is planted, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Crowded out. Crowded by the worries of this life. Crowded hearts and minds, distracted, heavy, bombarded, weighed down, and even aching. And then we wonder, where are you, God? Why can't we hear you? Tracy Bianchi is preaching this weekend in classical services and pointed out to me in her research that in the original Greek language, the word worried means to have a divided mind. Where we feel torn, we're trying to have one fit in the faith, but we're just so bombarded. These are plaguing our hearts. They're crowding our hearts. And in a way, we're putting this wall up. And the thorns crowded out. And eventually, the plants wither away. Several years ago, I was in an incredibly busy season of my life. I've been working on my Master's of Divinity at Northern Seminary. I have two small boys, and I thought it would be perfect timing to start seminary when my firstborn was nine months old. (laughs) And while I was walking through seminary and also serving in full-time ministry at the time, I had this idea in my head that I could be super mom, super preacher, super student, and I set these incredibly high expectations on myself. And oh, by the way, I also thought that I should have a perfectly clean, squeaky clean house, just like I grew up in. 
And in a particular busy season, there's a time where I was doing laundry week after week, faithfully, keeping the clothes clean for my boys and myself. But they seemed to never find their way to the closet hangers or into the drawers. And instead of hanging them up or putting them away, the next cleanest place to be was I took that laundry and I piled it on my bed. Well, where did you sleep, we might wonder. Oh, we slept under the laundry. (laughs) Night after night, I'd walk into my bedroom and I'd say, oh, I'm so bone tired. I'll put my clothes away tomorrow night. And one night when that laundry pile was particularly high, I was wondering if I was going to be able to handle the heat that was piling up in the bed. And I looked at that large pile of laundry. And I began to hear, you're a failure. Because if you really were a good mom, you would care for your children and you'd put these clothes away. As a wife, you should be putting these clothes away. As a housekeeper, you should be able to keep it all together. You should be able to do it all perfectly. And as I laid there, not only under that pile or that mountain of laundry, I laid there under a pile and a mountain of worry. And it crowded my heart, my thoughts, and my mind. And as I laid there, And I turned to my eyes to Jesus for a moment. And I was reminded of the scripture, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And as I laid there under that mountain of worry and anxiety, I whispered, I need you, Jesus. Because I know for me, When I begin to invite Jesus into my worry and into my anxiety, things begin to change. My perspective is renewed. My heart is transformed. And so when I worry about the skeletons in my closet, I'm reminded that God does know me. He knows how many hairs are on my head. And even still, he loves me and he cares for me and he adores me. And when we look to Jesus and we think about our addictions that are plaguing our hearts and we wonder if we could ever possibly be redeemed, we are reminded of the scripture where the psalmist writes, call on God when you are in trouble and he will indeed rescue you. And when we look to Jesus and we wonder if God could ever forgive us for the things that we have done, we are reminded of the scripture where John says, God will forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. If we just confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and of course he will forgive us. And then when we worry about our future and we get anxious over it, all the what ifs, what if we make the wrong decision? What if we make the wrong choice? What if we head into the wrong direction? We are reminded of the proverb that says, the Lord establishes the steps of the people. And we're also reminded where Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. 
And when we begin to fear about comfort and being stretched in uncomfortable positions or stretched in outside of our comfort zone, we are reminded that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and one of love. And when we think about the precious and we worry and we ache and we grieve about all of the possible what ifs with our children, what could happen to them? We're reminded that Jesus says, don't worry about the everyday life. Look at the birds in the air. And do you see how God cares for even those birds? In the same way, he will care for you. And so we don't need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to worry about our precious because it's out of our control anyway. And when we worry about our past and we grieve over it and we ache over it and we go back to all the what ifs, we could have changed that. We're reminded of what Paul said in Ephesians when he said, throw off your former way of life. Don't look back, he also says in Philippians, but move forward to the prize that has been promised to us. And when we worry about our purpose in this life and we wonder, what if I have no purpose at all? What if I'm heading down the wrong path? We are reminded of the proverb where it says, God establishes our steps. And finally, when we worry about not being good enough, we fear about failing, we fear about missing the mark, we fear about letting people down. We are reminded that you are good enough. In Romans 8, we are reminded that God is for you and not against you, and that God is madly in love with you. And we're reminded of what the psalm says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Friends, this morning my heart is heavy. Because I know that our hearts are bombarded, crowded, worried. And I fear that we have become so accustomed to this bombarded life. We've become so accustomed to having crowded hearts. It's the new normal for so many of us that we have forgotten what it means to live a free and open life in the spirit. We have forgotten what the empowered life is like. So I want to leave you with this question. Where is your gaze? Because we can obsess over this. Thinking that by obsessing over it and building this wall and crowding our hearts that it will somehow change the outcome of things. Or instead... We can look to Jesus. We can turn our eyes to him. Take that leap of trust and believe him when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and you will find rest in me. Come to me. Come to me. 
And so as the band comes forward to lead us through a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, I invite you to reflect on that and to ask where your eyes have been. And maybe it's time to take that leap of trust and turn your eyes.